When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You give me one shot here on a blue chip stock. Believe me, Kevin. The only problem you're gonna have is that you didn't buy more. Nobody knows if the stock is gonna go up, down, sideways, or in circles. What's going on, NBA draft fans? Your boys are back, the Wolves of Ball Street. It is the Draft Act, NBA Draft podcast. My name is Corey Tulliba. I am here, as always, with my co-host, Albert Gim. Albert, how are we doing today, buddy? Dude, it uh, it feels to be back. I just want to say, uh, shouts to Corey for holding it down last week. Without me, I was out with, uh, with COVID, man. It was a pretty rough week, but I'm back. And uh, shouts to Corey once again. And um, just want to say, for all our listeners out there, stay safe. Uh, COVID sucks. It actually does suck. And I know... Corey had it the week before me, so we can both attest to it. Um, if you guys need to get vaxxed or whatever, do your thing, because COVID is not a joke, not something to be played with. And uh, uh, also, do you want to say, really freaking excited that the week that I come back, we have the living legend join yes. us this week. And so I'll let Corey do the intro, but this is a very meaningful and special episode for me, for sure. Yeah, we have a, a very special guest, Scout, one of the OG New York content creators uh formerly with SNY he is the creator of MSR software for modernmba.com ladies and gentlemen Tommy D Tommy thank you for uh for doing the show with us tonight what a humbling introduction guys first of all uh Albert and Corey glad to be here and uh glad to hear that you both are recovering um I've been dodging COVID somehow um so yeah I Echoing the sentiments, you know, just uh, everybody certainly be safe out there. But um, what a pleasure it is to be here. Big fan of you guys. We, we interact a ton uh, on social. Um, I just love interacting with people who um, problem solvers, evaluators, people who, you know, sort of see big picture and um, understand, you know, the, the modern game and the traditional game and how it's sort of blended here. Um, so really excited to talk about basketball, some prospects and whatever you guys want to talk about. Yeah, well, you know, uh, you're the perfect person to, to talk about the prospect that, that we're covering tonight. Um, we're, we're talking about Duke's A.J. Griffin, and, and, you know, Tommy, earlier tonight you tagged me right before we went on because A.J. Griffin is starting his uh, his first game tonight. So it's going to be interesting to look at, at how he played going back in that game film. Um, did see a clip on Twitter where he made an unbelievable move. But going over A.J. Griffin, uh, wing for Duke, 18 years old right now. Young 18. He will be 18 on draft night. Six foot six, 220 pounds. He has a seven foot wingspan. Excellent measurables. Getting into the stats 7.3 points per game, three rebounds, one assist, uh, 0.6 blocks, 0.4 steals, 0.3 turnovers. He has four turnovers the entire season, which is pretty impressive. Um, shooting 53.6% from the field, 44 percent from three 75 percent from the line 
true shooting percentage of around 67, PER of 25.3. But AJ's season has been um, a little weird. First eight games, 11 minutes per game. Last six games, though, it's ramped up. He's played 22 minutes per game, and he's averaged 11 points, four and a half rebounds, about two assists. Getting into AJ's stock price. Preseason, and, and this is actually fun because we've been uh, tracking the the quote-unquote draft stock of all these prospects throughout, and we actually have more than just a preseason and a current. We can see the up and down, the fluctuation here with AJ. He's the perfect guy for this. ESPN had him at eight coming into the college season. SB Nation had him at three. Tankathon had him at five. Basketball News had him at eight. Bleacher Report had him at six. That's an average price of six. Uh, he ranked fifth on the draft deck IPO. So the fifth-ranked prospect coming into the season. In December, things were looking catastrophic for AJ and his draft stock. ESPN moved him down to 42. Tankathon to 14. Battle News 14. Bleacher Report 22. Sports Illustrated had it at 32. But the No Ceilings Collective, we stayed true. We had him at 10. Average stock price of 22. Ranked 22nd on the draft deck. Currently, though... Like I said, he's, his minutes have ramped up. ESPN moved him back down to 29, and it's a little fishy, and I got to talk to my guy Mike Schmitz about, about what's going on because they're kind of the outlier here now. Tankathon has him at 9, Basketball News at 10, Bleacher Report at 9. On the No Ceilings last big board, we uh, still had him at 10. That's an average price of 13.4, currently ranked 14th on next week's Draft Act update that we have not released yet. So we bounced around, started at 5, went to 22, back down to 14 around lotto range um so albert is ha griffin stock price too high too low or is it just right right now at 14 dude i i i just want to say i feel like the intro that you gave to aj griffin is a really good encapsulation of the season that he's had so far uh he had a really really rough start and that's something that I definitely wanted to ask Tommy about later on um, because there were so many factors behind that rough start. I think if you look at the low number of minutes that he was playing, I remember at one point we were talking and he was averaging like 10 minutes a game, right? Um, this is a couple, couple episodes back. And why did that happen? The guy's been struggling with injuries for close to two years now, maybe even more now. And so um, there are a lot of different factors. And so for you to say, I mean, for, for us to now look at him at an average stock price of about 14 I, I think it's kind of perfect because he, coming into the season, he was a highly regarded prospect. He had some, he had a really, really slow start due to a lot of different reasons. And now things are kind of picking up. And so if we consider the balance of all of that, right, a really talented guy, tough situation, all the context, 14 seemed just about right for me right about now. Okay. Um, Tommy, what about you? So of all those great outlets, um, including yours, that um, have posted their thoughts on sort of where that range is going and, and following that needle, uh, Modern NBA, uh, shameless plug, uh, has had him at three the entire mm. time. Mm. Um, I, uh, I I don't want to have to go through the whole basketball portfolio that I, I have, but I do have about um, – I'd say about 60 to 70 pages on AJ since scouting him uh, uh, since he was about 14. Um, I've been fortunate that he went to my high school alma mater and uh, the coach is a good friend. Uh, I coached his, him when he was in high school, when, uh, when I was in graduate school. 
Um, so in, in addition to AJ, his brother Alan also went to school there, Archbishop Stepanak, and they were from Ossining originally and played together with Obi Toppin. So I had a chance to watch Obi at a very young age too. Um, AJ Griffin is the best prospect I've ever seen. And that, that goes back to, um, I mean, I can name a million Elton brand, um, Stefan Marbury, I played against at, at uh, five star. When I first started to evaluate the guy who was really, you know, the, the gold standard uh, at the small forward position, at least at his age, I know this is going to sound weird to some Nick fans, but that was Tim Thomas. Tim Thomas, uh, like a Lamar Odom, guys who were just um, incredibly skilled at uh, at a size that, you know, uh, people hadn't seen before. Obviously, LeBron James is is there uh, <laughs> in terms of the gold standard. But just for, for me, who I've seen um, sort of develop through New York in the New York system, um, A.J. Griffin is, um, if you, the best thing I could say is if you could put together the modern NBA prototype, um, it's him. Physically, um, switchability, versatility, uh, efficiency, overall basketball IQ, great teammate, doesn't need the ball, um, makes plays off the ball, protects the rim, um, is a high, human highlight film from putbacks to transition, uh, infinite range, uh, clutch gene. <laughs> um, he has it all. And the question I think then is going to um, sort of, I feel like could be, you know, well, what's going on with him at Duke. And for me, I would say that what you're looking at here is something similar to what you saw with Devin Booker at Kentucky um, quickly, maybe to a degree uh, at Kentucky. Um, You know, there's so much talent there. Um, Wendell Moore has, has skyrocketed this year. Love Wendell Moore coming out of high school. Um, struggled, but really had a bit, has had a big breakthrough. Uh, AJ is not really a two. He's not really a three. He's, he's a modern everything. He's, yeah. His versatility is off the charts. He could play some one. He can defend ones. Um, so I, I feel like what has happened there is um, just him. We, you mentioned how young he is. That's another yeah. thing too. Um, he's still growing. And at his size and his freakish athleticism and ability, I feel like there's a disconnect um, between conf- his confidence and his ability um, in terms physically. In ter- so when he goes and makes a big play, you know, does he have that confidence that his ankles are going to be okay? His knees are, yeah. are going to be yeah. not that he's had anything serious, but you know, it, he's just so young that his body's still developing, and that's yeah. a scary proposition. It's why I have him so high up because you're getting someone who's going to come into your program at the NBA level at 18 and, you know, you can be there for, for 15 years. More. And I, I don't think three personally is outrageous. Like I, I, I think right now I have him six, maybe, uh, you know, I, I've had him high the, the whole season. I haven't really panicked. Um, uh, I think when you look at him, right, he, he played 12 games as a junior got hurt, came back for the playoffs, and then COVID hits. Things get shut down, right? Uh, last year, super weird year for high school sports. You did, I mean, in, in New York, you didn't even know if you're going to have a season. My season got greenlit a week before our first game. 
and it was a 21 day season. We had eight games. Yep. Um, so he, he opts out because he's rehabbing. He's, he's living in Tampa with his, uh, so he can rehab train with his dad, right. Who is a, a coach with the Toronto Raptors who were down in, in, in Tampa last season. He doesn't get to play, uh, you know, in like the, the FIBA tournament with a lot of the other guys who are, are in this class. And then he sprains his knee in a practice in October for Duke. So, I mean, should we be surprised that it's taken him a little bit of time to kind of get going? Probably not, right? This is a guy who hasn't played high-level basketball in a really long time. And, you know, now he's kind of getting thrust back into it. I think he's finding his footing. When I saw him um, at the Garden at the Champions Classic, I will say, like, you know, you mentioned he's still growing and how physically what he looks like for an 18 year old he looked like a tight end like the he, he looked like the giants could could use him uh on sundays like he was super impressive and he really did he didn't play a ton in that game he, put, he, he got the ob <laughs> he got the ob tibbs treatment <laughs> yeah. uh he had a bad he had a bad closeout missed an assignment and was in for a minute and then he got yanked yeah. um and just wasn't ready for the speed of that game and i know you know you go to those games early in the season they are so amped up. Everybody is so hyped up. Um, the speed is just the, the speed, the strength, the athleticism. It's a, it's just a grind fest. The adrenaline, um, the adrenaline, the buzz, the it's garden. garden. Yeah, 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 for sure. So he, it's not that he wasn't ready for the moment or the atmosphere. Yeah. He wasn't ready for the speed. Um, not to say that you know that learning curve. I mean, it was very. His learning curve has ramped up now, right? So. Mm-hmm. Um, he, I feel very strongly that he's confident in, in, in his, in his base and, and in his, in what he can do. Um, and this, the scary thing for him from a talent perspective is yes, he has supreme athleticism plus athleticism and, uh, is, is just a tremendous overall athlete, but he doesn't rely on that athleticism Mm -hmm. to be really good, right? He can shoot off the catch from distance. He can, um, make plays from cutting, uh, you know, he's an excellent passer, a lot of hockey assists. Um, so he doesn't need to rely on that athleticism. Um, but it's just the icing on the cake for me. Like when people ask me about him around the league, I have to be careful because I want to say he's sort of like the next, um, I know this is going to sound really weird. Um, Draymond in, Mm. in that, not so much in that, the, the, um, defensive IQ, like, we know Draymond is a, is a defensive genius. Um, AJ is is a more offensive talent by a lot, but he can guard five spots, and he he gives your team this modern versatility. Those um, the, you know those uh, those killer lineups, those death lineups that um, right away he's going to come in and, and and really allow you to be small, uh, but in a big way, right? Yeah. Like you can stretch the floor with your five, mm. him maybe. I don't know if he can play the five, but yeah. he can he can certainly guard fives and switching and all that stuff. So when I say sort of the Draymond, it's mm-hmm. the versatility of what right. he can do. Um, and, and the other part of it too, just from a comp perspective, he has that physicalness where you're just like, he's so gifted in how he looks. It's like that Marvin Williams you know, I mentioned Tim Thomas before, but like Marvin Williams was like, if you were to stack somebody together like Voltron, that was going to be a, a basketball player. It was him. He was just at the wrong time. Mm, modern yeah. Mar- Marvin Williams was ahead of his time in this modern era. He could have been yeah. a really dominant small ball. He still had a what, 15 
year NBA career <laughs> or something like that, right? Yeah. You know, like. Um, but when you look at him, you're just like, oh my god, this guy's can't miss. And yeah. uh, AJ's at a time now where I think because it's so modern that um, he's going to be a tremendous pro. You know, we uh, go, sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. No, Tommy, I just wanted to piggyback off of what you said with the Draymond comp, and I and I really love that one because that's something that I really wasn't thinking about. Um, but you know, along with that Draymond comp, something that I, one of the questions that I had for you is, I feel like right now he's playing on a pretty stacked Duke team, playing more of more of like a supporting role. But something that I noticed when I was watching his tape was, as you mentioned, and and this is like really the brunt of my question, there was like a willingness for him to pass. Uh, whether it was off of drives or as in the pick and roll as a ball handler. Um, I wanted to get some insight from you on his passing because I felt like when you brought up the Draymond part, that's where it kind of clicked for me. And I was like, yeah, like when I watch, when I watch this kid play, like he is not, he's not some ball hog at all. And he's a really savvy, really smart passer. And so I was wondering if I can get some insight on his playmaking slash passing ability. Yep. Quick touches, DHO guy similar to Obi in that sense where it's like Obi gets the ball and then if he doesn't make a play, it's gone and he's ready to set a screen for quickly or whoever's sort of coming off of that catch. So very, a great teammate in terms of ball movement, ball never sticks. Um, but he's an isolation guy. I mean, you could definitely dump it to him in pinch posts and he can, he can go to work. He's got a lot of fadeaway stuff. He's got a lot of step back stuff already ingrained um, step back threes, uh, dribble combination, dribble series stuff. So, um, but yeah, from a passing perspective, he sees the ball, sees the floor really well. He comes from a modern high school system. Um, great teammate, great kid, great young man. Um, it just came in as a freshman and they won the federation championship first time, the state New York state federation championship. They beat uh, long Island Lutheran, um, who's a powerhouse around here. They were nationally ranked. I think Stepanak ended up like 12th in the country or something. Um, and that program was a really solid program around here, but not at the national level. Um, to me, just a guy who um, just sees the next play, great teammate, knows when a guy can make a play that he can't, um, or, you know, doesn't need to make a hard play when he can make an easier one for a teammate. Um, just to, to me, like I said, when you talk about like a modern type, low usage, high efficiency, incredibly skilled. Yeah. And, and I think like he hasn't gotten to show off the passing a ton this year because of the role he's playing. But you mentioned right. like he's not a ball stopper, which there are like, there is a version of the type of player that he is with his skill set that, that type of player would want to hold the ball, go ISO all the time because he could do it. But he's so good at just catch and go. Like, cause he, at the college level, and this is, you know, one of the reasons why I think, you know, you probably have him at three. I have him at six. He's starting at five. Even at the college level, he's so much more athletic than these college kids. And Duke is not playing, you know, they've played some, you know, uh, schools that aren't going to be in the tournament, you know, like, but they've also played Gonzaga. They played Kentucky. It's not like they're playing no names too. And even in those games, when he catches and you like catch quick move to the hoop, nobody like the help can't even rotate Mm -hmm. time. You know, it's so fast. And to me, like, you know, you mentioned Draymond, he's, he's reminded me a lot of how Tibbs used Jimmy Butler when he was, very young yes. you know I, I, 
Jimmy wasn't always this guy who was this primary ball handler who could run your whole offense. He was playing off of Luel Dang and, you know, he, he was behind like Keith Bogans in, in the rotation. He was just this guy who come in, play defense, make hustle plays, keep the ball moving, cut to the hoop, find all these scenes. AJ's reminded me a lot. Now, he, obviously he gets to show off a little bit more than, you know, a, a young Jimmy Butler did. Um, but the, even in his, his movements, kinesthetically, I, I just, some of the hang time stuff, there's so much Jimmy in him. And it got me wondering, his dad played for the Bulls, coached with Tibbs, I believe. I'm wondering if he was around any of those Chicago practices when he was a kid and how much that had an influence on him, him growing up. Yeah, great, great relationship with Adrian, who was a fantastic college player. I know people who played against him um, talking about just how strong, smart, what a, what a high IQ guy, Seton Hall, played in the league for a while. Sort of that Michael, Ki- Michael Kidd Gilchrist before Michael Kidd, Gil- Gilchrist, <laughs> Kidd Gilchrist. Um, Adrian was not a modern guy by any stretch, um, but uh, was, was a terrific player. Yes, they, they, the whole family. Um, mm-hmm. Aubrey's, uh, the, the sister who is, she's at UConn playing yeah. for them and, um, probably, I mean, there's been some fantastic, uh, young women from this area who have gone out to play at UConn and played the big programs, Notre Dame. Um, but, uh, I mean, she may be number one that we've seen around here in 25, 30 years. So that's just unbelievable basketball family. Mm-hmm. Alan just signed with the Westchester team during that, uh, the G league showcase. That's his brother played at Syracuse. So yeah, I, connecting the dots there with, with Chicago and, um, and Tibbs and, and, um, and Adrian to me is uh, it's, he's been, he has been built for the NBA game. There's no question. I used to joke around with people when we would watch games when he was 15 I would say, you know, we're watching Cole Anthony, we're watching Moses Brown and, um, you know, some really just top, top talent that have got, has gone on to the league. The, the Champagne uh, twins, uh, yeah. um, Justin yeah. is now yeah. with the Raptors um, scouting Julian on Sunday at the garden. Um, we would, I would joke and saying like, wow, if the G league could allow or, or the NBA could allow teams to draft kids at 14 or 15, if I were the Knicks, I'm taking AJ right now. You know, mm. and just having him play for Westchester for, for a couple of years until he's ready. He was that NBA ready, you know. And I mentioned Cole Anthony because it's the synergies are there in that it's a little different because I just feel like Carolina had some issues and, and they didn't give him enough space to operate what he's doing in the league yeah. now. A lot of people didn't foresee. But Cole was ready to play in the league at 17 and 18, in my opinion. Um, I don't know if he was going to come in and start right away, but he was dynamic and, and physically ready um, in my mind before he even went to Oak Hill. Um, AJ is very similar. I feel like, you know, the, the, the high school game, at least from what I've seen, has become more modern in terms of system that, you know, when you go to colleges, um, Duke is a, obviously a little different from the Carolina situation, but my point is he, he a lot of times the recency bias can have a negative impact on a, on a player. Yeah. And I think that's the case with AJ. It definitely was the case with Cole. Um, so we'll see how that plays out as we get closer to the draft. 
And Cole's another guy who comes from an NBA family and has yes. that pedigree. Ooh. And he's training with Chris Brickley, you know, when he's 15 years old, right? Like in, in those gyms and playing with pros, scrimmaging with pros. And, and, you know, that stuff matters for your development. It's hard to go and play with NBA players when you're a teenager and then go and look at a high school court and not realize how much slower the speed of the game is in, in those scenarios, right? So that's, yep. um, 100%. that's, a, that's a huge huge benefit um let's let's like go a little bit into his shooting because you know it, okay. everything right now is is a little bit you know, the volume is not there so when him aj shooting 44 percent from three you know he's not going to be uh steph curry clay thompson levels no one no one really is right that that percentage probably going to go down a little bit the more volume he gets up but he is showing that He's not just an athletic guy. He has a skill. He can be a shooter in multiple scenarios. I, I think he's looked a little bit more comfortable off the ball, catching and shooting right now from distance. I think in the mid-range, he's very comfortable creating, getting to his spots, getting and, and knocking down those shots. And he has knocked down threes in isolation with those combo moves, step backs. But the one thing with his shot and that, that I think could use some tweaking a little bit. And I, wondering somebody who's followed him for such a long time maybe the 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 process and how his shooting has grown he's got a very wide base with his legs Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um personally i'd like to see it moved in maybe a little bit more shoulder width apart i feel like he can get a little bit more balance you see even on make sometimes he's you know his momentum is carrying him forward so much that he almost feels like he's trying to get his own offensive rebound because he (laughs) thinks it's going to be short or you know because it's just it's it's not as smooth as I know it's going to look a few years when he's in the league. Um, how has how he developed, you know, as a shooter? Because when you're when you're a kid with his size and athleticism, it's so easy to get to the hoop against kids that are your age, but, you know, they're five foot ten, you know, great ball players, and right? But it's just, it's almost like a, a different species playing the game. So how, how do you think his shooting has evolved, um, you know, since you've been, you've been scouting him? So when he was a freshman, they played in a national tournament out in Torrey Pines, uh, San Diego. And they were playing against Xavier Johnson, who plays Pitt. I think he got hurt, but he's been there for a couple of years. I think they, it was uh, St. Patrick's out of uh, Virginia. Mm-hmm. And long story short, he made a shot. They were down to he was open off the catch, knocked it down. They win the tournament. It was a big, big deal for him at 14, right? So yeah. off the bat, you're sort of like, wow, this kid's a freshman in the moment. Clutch gene, you know, just just really impressive stuff. I totally agree with you on the wide base. His load is slow as, as well. Um, that's going to need to speed up. But I don't see him as a guy coming into the league who's going to be a catch and turn guy. Right. I don't think there's going to be a lot of floppy for him. I don't think there's yeah. going to be pin downs. I think you'll see him as as a screener who opens up and is is open, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or um, you know, someone who can can score in transition. So yeah, I, I, it's it has developed and it needs to get faster. And to your point, I think a little more um, probably better balanced. Um, I, I think he really does focus on his lift, which is where uh, and his lift is incredible. Yeah. Um, for, for his size, like that, that's mm-hmm. one of the things when you, when you see him get off the ground and let it go, 
you're like, wow, you're not, ex- you weren't expecting that because um, you just don't see that at that level um, mm-hmm. in terms mm-hmm. of the high school level. Um, and you, I don't think you really seen it at Duke. One of the things that you saw at Duke um, in the highlights against um, one of the lower teams yeah. that they played that you mentioned, I'm trying to, I'm drawing a blank on who that was, but the dribble combination, like major step back, he stepped back probably six feet back to behind the three point line and then got the lift. So you, you'll see a lot of that. And, and that has developed um, from a young age. Like he, he could do that at 14, 15, 16. So now it's kind of second nature for him. And with the league being what it is and the courts being a lot wider, um, he's going to get a lot of those looks that are going to be uncontested. And um, hmm. he's going to make it. He's going to make a lot. Yeah. You know, it's Tommy, funny. something that. Sorry. No. Um, yeah. I was just. Like, oh, sorry. I. Uh, so I wrote about AJ at, at No Ceilings this week because, um, yeah, I've been working. Uh, I've been watching Duke a lot because uh, my next film sesh video is going to be on Paolo Boncaro. And, you know, perfect opportunity to just really do, pull double duty here. Really, I mean, there's five NBA prospects. So I was scouting a lot of guys. But I decided to write uh, about AJ because he's been playing well. And I, I think that he's been under discussed so far. And one of the things I said is he in the articles that he, I wouldn't classify him as a, a plus shooter um, in high school. And I got a little bit of pushback by that. And I think what you meant, I wasn't saying he was a bad shooter because I think he's a good shooter. But when I talk about plus shooter, like you said, he's not going to be running off floppy, right? It's going to be a lot more catch and shoot, stuff like that. Like plus shooter, I think of it, Corey Kispert last year, Chris Duarte, right. guys that are, you know, that's kind of, so, it, but he is, not just that athlete he can shoot is a threat and with his size with his athleticism with that first step that we mentioned earlier if you could shoot it with the spacing an nba court provides he's gonna be an absolute nightmare keeping out of the paint Mm -hmm. if you have to Mm -hmm. hard close on him and guard him out to the perimeter um it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be really hard and he should be a guy with that size strength and athleticism that's getting to the line in, you know, in his prime, I'm looking seven times a game. That's, you know, that's the kind of thing I want to see from him eight years from now when, when he's a seasoned NBA guy. And I, I mean, it's just going to be impossible. He's his, his athleticism is, is so impressive. Um, And then you'll see a lot of, I mean, I, there's so much to get excited about with him because, and, and that's the thing when, when people got so down on him so quick, cause he wasn't playing a lot. Um, and it's not like he was alone, right? If you look at the top 10 that ESPN had projected uh, at the beginning of the season, half of them now are guys that you're saying, all right, maybe they're coming out next year. Maybe they're going to be at the back end of the first round. So it's seeing him get dropped so far in comparison was, was a little bit weird, and it's easy to play power ranking with this stuff and not just mm. be patient with the projections, right? And And it's the narratives too, right? Like, oh, he's not even starting for Duke. You know, like, yeah. okay, you know, like, started tonight. That, yeah, like yeah. that doesn't from a, from an evaluation standpoint, if you're if you're looking at it from a league, an organization standpoint, you know, you're certainly going to have questions. Um, but that's not like a red flag, in my no. opinion. You know, the, the red flag would be, um, you know, the early season uh, struggles, which I think we've we've covered and, and, and that there's really not much deeper than that. Um, yeah. You know, any injury questions, certainly red flag. Um, but yeah, I, that's I, I think that, and, and, you know, there, there's, there is the, the question of is there a dog inside there? And, and, 
Um, certainly for me, it, it's, it's definitely something that I've seen. And, um, you know, I, I believe him when I say Draymond, there's only one Draymond, right? There's yeah. only one junkyard dog <laughs> with that type of mentality. Um, and you only get maybe three or four of them in a generation, right? So yeah. Kevin Garnett, um, Kevin Garnett, yeah. I mean, for Jerome sure. Williams. Jerome, <laughs> Jimmy Butler, yeah, Jimmy. Jimmy, Jimmy, you mentioned close to my heart, Portsmouth, shout out Portsmouth Invitational. Um, but to me, I, I just, the, the narrative of ranking by position, like what position is he? Uh, to me, if somebody said to me, oh, you know, well, is he a shooting guard? I think he's a shooting guard. It's like, well, he's not a shooting guard. Is he a small forward? He's actually a big forward um, who has small forward skills, you know? Um, And he has guard skills too, by the way. Like when I said Obi Toppin had some Tatum in him, people were like, what are you smoking? And I'm like, well, he was 6'2 when I saw him in high school. I know he has it in him. Shout out Dave Zenon. Like I I know that he has the, the, the skills. And all of a sudden, you know, before he goes to prep school, he shoots up to 6'9". Like, you know, what people see at Dayton is not necessarily what he is. Right. So it's um, it's systematic, you know, so there's a lot of narrative that's tied into it that um, I think will work against him. Um, So for me, I I just someone who's seen him so long and and know a lot of his info. um, I'm keeping him in that top three, man. That's, you know, that's where I'm going. You know, uh, Tommy, something that I did want to kind of piggyback off what you said before. Um, when you talked about his lower half, because that really shows the kid has really strong legs. And it reminds me of um, one of my favorite tweets that you'll put out there time to time is um, when you're tweeting about RJ and you talk about his A plus legs. Yeah, um, I was definitely thinking about that when I was watching this kid play, because he has a really strong lower half. You see it in the game against I think when they were playing like Lafayette, when they were playing um, Army, which was a tough game for him. I know you didn't play too well, but even recently against Miami tonight against Wake Forest, he'll have these moments where you see it and it, it, it'll really pop. And it and it doesn't and it won't always pop in the traditional way where people are like expecting like a poster dunk or something like that but it is the step backs that you talked about right he's going into combo moves he'll step back and then he'll have the lift to take a really sweet looking jumper um but one thing i did want to say also i think sometimes when he shoots he had like i know some shooters will go into the one two step and that's there's nothing wrong with that but i think sometimes his can be a little clunky if that makes sense like the rhythm on the one two, yeah yeah it can be Mm -hmm. a little strange sometimes which i noticed but i mean that's something that you can clean up and can get better so i'm definitely with you guys i just wanted to throw that in there just because like i i when i watched him i thought of rj and like i was like wow like because when rj has his legs he does stuff like he's playing pretty well tonight um and i I think with aj he's kind of like that too where i think because of the injury history that you guys are talking about he still hasn't been able to fully spread his wings and show that lower half but in that same way he also reminds me of jimmy because jimmy has such an elite lower half as well too so i always equate legs to and thank you for that mention because i think there are guys who have a plus legs all the time there are guys who do it 50 percent of the time 25 percent of the time um, I think RJ is sort of getting into that 75% of the time. Yeah, yeah. And then once it goes even more, he's only 21. Once he gets it to 80, 90%, then we're talking about all NBA, in my opinion. Um, I think about it like pitching, right? Where you're like, all right, a guy's got his A-plus fastball. Like, you know, tonight it's it's electric and it's live. And then there's some guys who don't even have A-plus. Like there's all guys who are, you know, B, B-plus. 
A- AJ at the at the NBA level, it'll take some time because there's so many games. It's going to really, I think, um, it, usually if, when I'm talking about a prospect, I'm like, this is where this player needs to go in order for him to have the most impact right away, right? Mm. I think AJ can go to any team and have that impact right away. That's how much I love what he is from a versatility standpoint. Um, and his his legs are the biggest reason why. Because as long as he's stable and, and strong, then all of the things that he can do in a positive manner will, will display themselves. Maybe not all, but at least, you know, you'll, you'll start to see some um, and he's going to be a plus uh, for your team in any, in any lineup. And that's what I love most about him. And I mean, it, his off ball activity for, for Duke this year has been phenomenal. He has made teams pay so much starting in the corner, his man, out of position, overhelping, head not on a swivel, and he's cutting to the rim, monster dunk, or crazy finish because he's got really good hang time. He's agile. One of the things where I think that he differs from RJ, and I think he's he's way more flexible a mover. He's so shifty. Um, you know, RJ could be a little stiff sometimes, right? And that, that was one of the knocks on Yes, him. yep. AJ's got the, the flexibility that he has – in his body he's getting up and down he's playing slow he's he's exploding like the change of pace and stuff that kind of stuff like he's one of those guys that you watch him you don't really and i'm not advocating for this i mean absolutely the opposite if you're gonna have an an opinion on somebody make sure it's informed watch a ton of film but you can watch him once and be like that's a good nba player you know there's he mm -hmm. i would say the biggest difference within rj is that he so AJ played with a McDonald's All-American point guard in high school. RJ Davis, RJ Davis is, North is the point guard in North Carolina yeah. now. So AJ didn't, and RJ played every minute of every game. Um, I think he's the second or third all-time leading scorer in New York State history. Um, number one in Westchester. Um, but AJ didn't get a lot of point guard reps. RJ Barrett got a ton of, par- of point guard reps, a ton of usage and pick and roll. AJ is not a blow-by guy with the dribble. Right. So RJ, RJ is, you know, you're starting to see it more and more night after night, even if he doesn't get in switches, like he's, he's getting in the paint at will. I, I need, I would love to be able, and that's where Duke has not really been the best fit for him. Um, Cause he's not getting the ball and getting in the paint at will. Um, not to say that he can't, it's just for me, like he played in high school with RJ who always lived in the paint. And to your point off the ball, AJ was also a massive, I'll send you a picture of one of his putback dunks. He is a putback master. Like he can read his reads on, on putbacks, which are momentum plays, right? So if he's even struggling, you just one, you you know, you turn your head and all of a sudden, boom, there's a, there's a putback dunk um, and the whole game changes. But point being off the ball, great, not a blow by guy on the ball. Um, which is something that he's going to need to work on at the next level just to just to get even that much better. Yeah, and even so, um, I, th- I think he's got it because I think he's, his handle is tight enough that you know he's going to be able to – and his, both hands too, left hand, right hand. Uh, he's got mm-hmm. all that. Let's uh, shift over to the defense a little bit um, because maybe that's, that's – that's usually the side of the ball that coaches are are upset about and uh you know will yank you when you make a mistake. I think that on the ball he's had some really impressive moments uh mm-hmm. isolated on an island Isaiah Wong cooking against Miami's second half. 
quick hand strips him, right? Uh, guard recovers, funneling him into Trevor Keels and, and Mark Williams. Like, he could just stay hip to hip. He's got that long wingspan. He's strong, so you're not going to be able to go into his chest and move him. Really, you know, really very impressive. Uh, you mentioned the scheme versatility, right? The strength. There's a play against uh, when they were playing, I think, Virginia Tech. Mm. They're, they're big men. About, you know, he starts out in the mid post trying to back him down. Can't move him. Just walls up, bodies up. You know, it, it settles for a, a 12 foot jump hook. You know, it's just mm-hmm. a really poor shot that you probably wasn't expecting because you look at a guy like AJ, he's, you know, you, you probably think, all right, I'm a big man. Let me just back him down. Couldn't do it. So the strength is there. Some of the time off ball, I've had questions about. Now, yeah. It's. I think it's hard a lot of times to, unless you're talking to the coaching staff, you don't always know what they want from individual players, what scheme they're doing, and like maybe they want AJ to be in deny so often because they want him to be a disruptor in the passing lanes. No, I don't know. But one of the things I've noticed, you know, he's not always his weak side positioning could use a little bit of work. He's very face guardy. He's hugging his man a lot of the time, even on the weak side, if he's in, you know, in the corner, not, not ready to rotate over, help baseline, help paint, you know, on drive, stuff like that. Right. And with guys like him who are so athletic, who are so strong in high school, you can just recover. Right. And right. And your physical gifts make up for being out of position. Every level you jump up, that stuff matters more and more. Right. Um, Knowing, you know, his game like you do, what do you think his, his you know, basketball IQ is on, on that side of the floor from a, a health perspective? I would say um, he, he definitely he, he relies on instincts first. Yeah. Um, definitely understands schemes, um, but, but certainly rim protections first, right? So I think what you see a lot of him, you know, trying to get the block being aggressive, you know, in, in guarding the rim and, and leaving uh, shooters out on the perimeter. Whereas, in, you know, in high school, you could do that because, you know, maybe you don't have the best shooters that you're guarding. If you're playing Kentucky, <laughs> that's not going to work. Right. So, um, you know, the, the, the natural instinct is to not make the sensational play as much as it is just protect the rim. Um, and, you know, just sort of, making sure that, you know, he's, he's tagging on pick and rolls. Like he does understand the, the basic, I would say, uh, NBA schemes. Um, They didn't just sit in zone in high school. They played a lot of man, Um, you know, Duke does not sit in zone, Um, you know, and, and, and that, that league that he played in in high school is, is extremely high level um, and extremely fast paced and very physical um, so, you know, he, he's, he's been in those battles in those one-to-ones and he's always, he's always around the ball, right? It's, it's not even so much him jumping over everybody to get a rebound, but positioning himself defensively and boxing out to maybe get somebody else a rebound. Um, so, you know, a lot of that stuff is, is natural for him. Um, but he does tend to float there, there's, and it's not like he's, it's not like he cheats, um, he's not looking for the highlight dunk where he's he'll he'll you know he's very disciplined I think in passing lanes, but um, f- from what I've seen for sure like he's not someone who gets beat back door. I don't think I've ever seen him get beat back door. 
Um, I've seen him a lot of games. Um, so the, yeah. that instinct and, and those, that discipline is there. I just feel like he's, um, you know, he's, he's, you got to learn who your teammates are, right? Defensive's a five, defensive, defensive basketball is a five man game. Um, so I think that's maybe why you're seeing some lapses with the Duke, you know, with Duke. Yeah. And Duke has a, a center in Mark Williams who cleans mm-hmm. up a lot of mistakes as well. Right. Better than anybody. Uh, I, I think, <laughs> I think one example that I had though was like in that Miami game in the last five yeah. minutes, I know they pulled Mark Williams off the floor. I think they were trying to play smaller, try to match Miami there. I think they at went like out, the they five, went five out. Yeah. Went five I think out. in the, I think at the five-minute mark and the three-minute mark, there were a couple of possessions there where, uh, Tommy, you saw some of that floating that you were talking about where I think, you know, he gave up a couple of layups there. And I was like, ah, oh, <laughs> it's not the best. But at the same time, like, I think, once again, as you guys just mentioned, that context is so important. I think um, there was a lot that he was processing at the same time. And then also, to be totally fair, not having Mark Williams on the floor, it it's going to hurt you there a little bit. But to his credit, I think what you mentioned um, – Corey before about like the, the stuff that he was doing on, on Isaiah Wong and I, Isaiah Wong is a personal favorite of mine. I, I love that guy. And I love the way that he attacks the rib, you know, and, and I, and I love the way that AJ, you know, did a really good job of once again, using those a plus legs to stay in front of him, to use his upper half to keep, you know, cause he has some physical advantage over a guy like Isaiah Wong. And I thought he did a really great job of leveraging, not just his strength, but his legs and his savvy to stay in front of him a couple of times and using his active hands to get on the ball. And so I, I, I think I'm with you guys. Like I think defensively he's so versatile and Corey, what you mentioned um, against Virginia tech against that big, that's something we're going to see a lot of. And so one, something that came to mind when you guys were talking also on the boards, you see it too. He'll go up and really fight for rebounds and you'll, we'll see those legs once again. And so I think every aspect on the defensive end of the floor, you look at this guy and you're like, you, you, it's hard to not get excited. The lost start to me um, in, in the game at the highest level uh, before college is ball you man concept, right? Which is making sure that you see the ball and you see the man and, and um, you, you know where both are at all times. So that's where there's the disconnect. If you're not, you know, if you're not watching ball, usually you're getting caught stuck watching the ball and you yeah. lose sight of your man. That's where you can float. Um, so there is some of that, I think, universally. Um, you know, and, and it takes playing with the Draymond Green. It takes playing with the Kevin Garnett, you know, going back a bunch of years. It takes playing with these guys who um, are going to make sure, not just coaches, players on the floor are going to make sure that you're, you're committed to um, the defensive scheme, what you're trying to do. And Albert, I, I love the point of the on ball and, and using the legs. He sits, he sits down. Like he, mm. if you see him, yes. somebody tries to break him down off the dribble, like he is in a crouch position and like people, <laughs> you arms sort of wide. see some guards, arms wide guards yeah. are just like, oh, yeah. what am I going to do here? Like, I can't, I'm not going around this guy. So I'm just going to pass it or wait yeah. for a screen. And then it's an advantage if he gets the screen, because if it's a big, you just switch and, and it's negated. So um, yeah, just, just really, I think, across the board, not a finished product by any means. Um, he's going to need that veteran, the Taj Gibsons of the world, um, you know, who are going to really hold him accountable to not floating. You know, talk about Draymond, mention KG, Jimmy Butler, all guys who have a chip on their shoulder, something to prove, right? Ultimately, I do think that AJ is going to work his way up 
back into the the top half of the lottery by by draft night because he's certainly trending up right now. <laughs> Maybe there will be some teams who are worried about his injuries and he slides a little bit. I don't know, but if he makes it out of the lottery, that should put, be a chip on his shoulder. And all of those guys, they remember everything who who they you know went in front of them, uh, and it drives them. You know, he seems like he's the kind of guy, based on what you say, how he works, the environment he grew up in, that that's that's something that could drive him. And and you put a little bit of drive in a, a physical specimen with his ball skills. It's a scary proposition. He's a guy you could really see teams going. How do how do we pass him up? You know, 100%. for for this 100%. guy, you know, like the because it's all there. It's all there. It is the Draymond, and and Draymond is not Draymond without Steph Curry, you know, or, yes. or Clay, um, you know. And to me, I, you know, can AJ be the alpha and be the the one and all NBA guy? Ultimately, I think yes, but I think where he fits in right off the bat is sort of four three, not position in terms of like you know importance to the team. Um, and then moving up to like a 1A. So, you know, who are the guys that are – who are the ones, who are the alphas who are going to look at him and say, I'm going to elevate this guy so that we're the duo. And um, then he's going to, you know, maximize everything that that he has. Um, he needs the mentor is, is yeah. the bottom line. Um, he's had it, you know, within his family um, for sure. And, um, you know, he's just always been the best player and most talented. He did have it in high school, as I said, with RJ. Um, but in terms of mentor taking him to the all NBA level, it's going to be interesting sort of who he connects with. Um, cause he's that type of kid. He's a very likable, likable young man. And, you know, he does have a chip, but he doesn't have an attitude. So, you know, he doesn't need the ball. He doesn't need yeah. to have all the points. He doesn't need to have all the accolades. He is a perfect teammate in so many ways for, uh, for guys who, um, you know, get paid to be that way. Right. So, you know, is it a Donovan Mitchell? The Jazz won't be in the lottery. So, you know, I'm, I'm sort of throwing it out there. But um, to me, it's just more like who is going to be because those guys who are super talented usually come to teams that are everybody's really young. And then yeah. they sort of trying to they're trying to all figure it out together. He needs to be with someone with a little bit more, you know, vet savvy that um, is going to elevate him quickly. It's the lost art of the NBA teams carrying those veterans for these young teams. They don't, you know, they so many of these teams don't want to waste roster spots on guys like Taj Gibson um, because I don't. I I mean, most of these veterans probably aren't going to help young well, teams win a ton of games anyway. How about Rubio? Look what Rubio's right. Mm, yeah, you know, I, yeah. Rubio unfortunately got hurt, but yeah. everybody was talking about how great that you know the Cavs and Darius Garland. Right. Ricky Rubio is poor man's Chris Paul. And I don't even know how poor, right? I mean, Chris Paul goes to situations and elevates guards, elevates bigs, elevates everybody who he's ever played with. Jason Kidd was like that. You know, you, you just go and, and guys become immediately better regardless of the position. Ricky Rubio was that dude. Yeah. Um, you know, so yeah, but, but how many teams passed on Ricky Rubio, right? How many teams has he played on? Um, you, you know, so to, yeah, to, to your point, it's, it's, it, there are, uh, decisions that need to be made, you know, where those guys get a little bit more opportunity to, to develop those young guys. Uh, so we, 
we do a, a segment here and, and let's do it now. And we've talked a little bit about it where we, if you're buying stock in Adrian Griffin, who may you have bought stock in previously? And this is where we kind of go into our comps a little bit. Another guy I've, I kind of thought of who I think like his de- developmental arc could be a little bit similar is Jalen Brown, who hmm. I think went third as well yeah. in, in his draft. Um, now he went to a, a situation where, you know, that draft pick was a, was through a trade. So they, but they had guys on that team that he entered into that were kind of veterans to, to kind of steer him. And then his natural ability that, that you saw in his work ethic made it come together for a guy who you looked at as more of like an athlete with some raw skills. Like that's a trajectory that I could absolutely see for, for AJ. And now there's a question like, you know, all the debates at the Celtics are struggling and whatnot, but like, Oh, who should they trade Tatum or should they trade Brown? Whatever. Because they've made, they're both at that level where you could look at them as one, a guys. Totally agree. Um, Yeah. So I, I think for, for me, like Jimmy Butler, Jalen Brown, like that's kind of like the trajectory that I, I could really foresee for AJ. It's a really good one. I wasn't, I wasn't a Jalen Brown guy. I didn't think yeah. I, I I would not have bet on him. Um, I just didn't love the jump shot. He's to his credit, he's become a jump shooter yeah. uh, and, and someone who's um, who's just been fantastic. I mean, uh, uh, to me, you know, just uh, uh, to your point, definitely a one or one a um, and I don't know how the two of them are going to mesh going forward. And I really never figured that out. A lot of Spreewell, yeah. Allen Houston there to me. Mm-hmm. Um they but, could use uh, Rubio this summer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. And, and like the Knicks, I think they, they missed out on Lonzo, but um, to me, uh, I, yeah, that's a really, really good one. Albert, if you have one, go for it. But I, I, I guess may have to think about that one. For me, I honestly couldn't think of another one, but something that I kind of wanted to throw out both of you guys. So Corey, what you just said about the Jalen Brown one, I think that's so interesting because like, you know, at me as a Knicks fan, I'm always going to try to imagine guys on the Knicks, even if we're not in position for these players. I'm just, I'm a loser. And this is the type of stuff that I think about. But <laughs> I was I was trying to imagine. Doesn't like, make you a loser, if, bro. That does not make you <laughs> But like, what if in some crazy world, AJ Griffin ends up on the Knicks? And then, so that's where my head was, right? I was thinking of like, okay, Tatum and Brown. Like, of course, that hasn't exactly worked out yet, but imagine in a world where you get to pair RJ with an AJ Griffin, because like I've seen on Twitter, people mentioning like, Oh, the Knicks should go after Cam Reddish, which I don't know. I I feel mixed about. I I do like Cam Reddish a lot, but at the same time, like what are the assets you're giving up for a guy like that, et cetera, et cetera. But Tommy, I think there's something you can answer to something that I've talked about all year on my, on my uh, Twitter account is I, I feel like the loss of Reggie Bullock was bigger than people realize. And like, I know Reggie Bullock is not first team all NBA or even first team all defense or whatever, but what he did for us last year, not only as a shot maker, but as a defender and what he did with his length and closing out on guys, I feel like that stuff was so important to our, to our success. And people now are like, what happened to Nerlens Noel? And I'm like, well, a part of the reason why Nerlens is struggling is not just the injuries because he lost Reggie Bullock and Reggie Bullock did yeah. a lot for our, for our, for our centers. And people, I, I feel like don't understand that connection. But when I look at like an AJ Griffin and imagine him on the Knicks and him pairing with an RJ and what they would be able to do with their versatility at the wing position, that's when I start getting really, really excited, you know? And so 
I don't know. I, I, I no, know that was like a weird stream of thought. It's no, it's so it's so valid too in that pairing wings is really hard. I I think. Yeah. Again, which really is a, a big reason why I love AJ. Um, he just pairs well with anybody that he plays with across the board. One, two, three, four, and five. Um, Reggie Bullock, just to, to touch on that quickly. Um, you know, a guy like Julius Randle needs certain guys to pair with. He doesn't pair with everybody. He doesn't pair with Kemba. You know, he needs to pair with Evan Forn- uh, with um, Alfred Payton. Well, wait, am I getting attacked on Twitter now? I'm using saying out for people. Um, we, have very nu- we have very nuanced fans. That, that yeah. the show. Thank you very much. Um, but yeah, like, like there are mellow was the same way with Chauncey Billups, right? There were certain players that certain guy. there are certain players, certain guys just don't pair well with. Um, Bullock is one of those guys that pairs with everybody too. So mm-hmm. uh, there is a lot of um, things to like about AJ in the sense of, Whoever you put him with, it doesn't matter. He's going to find a way to be productive, to be um, to be to be valuable, to add value, and um, to not piss anybody off. He's not going to take horrible shots where you're like, "What is this guy doing?" He's not going to pout. You know, he's gonna. He wants to compete. He wants to play. Um, but he's he's definitely someone who, in my opinion, when you look at matches, there, there's it's across the board. It's everybody on the roster. Right. In my head, I've always had this idea of like universal wings is kind of how I think about it. Like those are those are guys that you kind of want to have around. Like I know he hasn't been perfect, but the reason why Jay Crowder keeps playing on contenders and keeps playing in the finals is he's kind of a universal wing, you know, 100%. and I, I think AJ Griffin has exactly the ball, you know, makes yeah. open shots, defends right. anybody. Exactly. And I think with AJ, like at least at the beginning of his career, I think his ceiling is way higher than to just be one of these like universal wings, but to start and for him to grow and blossom in a situation where he can, you know, grow with another young wing like RJ, that stuff gets me really, really excited. But yeah, I'm just, I'm just dreaming here, boys. Well, listen, I, uh, I put him at three, but uh, if they make the playoffs or don't make the playoffs or right on the outside, if he fell to 12 or 13 or 14, I wouldn't be upset. That's for sure. Um, You know, in in that mixed range Uh, for me, the only thing that I'm mostly concerned with him is, you know, uh, if he were to come into the league and not have the impact, maybe that uh, offensively that coaches expect, and they say, like with Obi and, and Tibbs last year, come in, I need you to just be a great defender and I need you to just, you know, focus on these schemes and focus on your matchups and don't make any mistakes. Uh, I can see that being a problem for him. So playing for a coach like Thibodeau, um, you know, where it's like, okay, your offense is secondary, but I need you to just really be honed in here on everything defensively where I'm taking you out. Um, I can see that being an issue. But, at, you know, at the same time, Obi's in a situation where he's behind Randall. So, you know, he, he doesn't have that big of a, a margin of error because um, it's not like he just, they need him to play minutes. Right. So that's my only worry with AJ. I, I feel like if he doesn't have that boom impact offensively, you know, in the mistakes become glaring defensively, whatever they are. So, um, you know, that's my two cents there. I do think though, that, that's not necessarily a bad thing for a player's development. I agree. Like it's, it's a, maybe a a bad thing from a a fan perspective when you want to see your, your first rounder play a lot of minutes. Right. Um, 
that's which I don't care about. I mean, yeah, fans that that that's an emotional fan reaction type of thing, right? Twitter reaction, right? But Jimmy Butler played like eight minutes a game his rookie year, right? And he sat behind a guy like well, and was old. Like it's not like he came in at eighteen; he was twenty-three. Obi Obi came in; he's behind Julius Randle. So okay, if you want to earn minutes and and stay on the floor when we have Julius Randle, who's playing at an all NBA level, when we have Luol Deng, who's a, uh, a multi-time All Star, one of the best defenders, and you want to earn minutes, don't make mistakes, right? And 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 that's what happens when you go to a team that has veterans and and good veterans at that. And it might suck now, but in the long run, well, you're going to understand why you were sitting because you're going to be in the position one day in your development, hopefully, that you're the guy that is on the court allowed to have a little bit longer leash where that young guy is playing behind you and you pay it forward that way. 100%. I've become – one of the things I've been fascinated with recently with, you know, player development is, like, uncomfortable situations. And that's either a player having a little bit too much freedom where they're able to experiment and maybe that's somebody like Jan Montero in the – overtime elite where you watch the game and you're like, what on earth am I watching? How do I evaluate this? Like this, it's up and down. It's sloppy. He's turning the ball over a little bit, but at the same time, the stakes aren't nearly as high. So he's able to be like, all right, can I do this? And maybe he turns it over. Maybe he goes, all right, I can't do it at the next level. I've also been fascinated with like AJ's a guy that if he went to, you know, another school, he'd be the man doing a lot of that. But that would almost be what he was comfortable with coming out of high school. Whereas now this is kind of maybe a little bit more of an uncomfortable situation. And now yeah. he's learning how to be a guy who doesn't need to come in and have the ball in his hand. So if he is in that situation, maybe this Duke scenario where he came in, had to earn minutes, grind his mm. way just to be playing 20 minutes a night. Now eventually be in the starting lineup. Maybe it actually, it's this kind of weird path that hurt his draft stock is actually a good thing for his development. I love I love that because um, he has dealt with adversity uh, yeah. before he got there, um, but he is now dealing with adversity or have, has dealt with adversity in a way that um, you know he hadn't felt before. There's a lot of pressure there. John Shire has has signed six guys already for next year coming in, right? Seven mm-hmm. guys who are coming in. So this idea of oh, you know, maybe AJ should stay another year—that's not a thing. Like he's no. you keep the thing moving, and and yep. he knew that coming in. And, you know, from what I understood, there was a, uh, a thought there where he was going to do the, the Ignite thing, you know, through the G League, um, which, which could have been a, a, a great look for him. But he, mm-hmm. he loved, from, from what I know, loved the idea of being at Duke. He wanted to go to Duke, and he's there. And, and now he's, he's learning on the fly what that entails. Um, and I totally agree. I, I think it's understanding what it means. And I think the key point is when you look at the teammates and, and a lot of that social media stuff after games, they celebrate him when he plays well. Mm-hmm. They root for him when he plays well. He embraces that. He loves that. He doesn't shy away from it. He he knows. And, and for someone with that much talent, a lot of it could be ego driven, like, yeah, well, you know, if, if, if I just got the, uh, you know, the, the minutes, like I, I, I could do my thing, I could go off and, you know, they've been holding me back type of thing. But yeah. that's not him. That is no. not him. 
And you know that that is true based on the teammates just saying, yeah, you, you did your thing tonight. And he's like, yeah, well, I have great teammates. I, I, I'm blessed to be here. And this, that's, that's the type of mentality he is. And that shows you maturity that, you know, he went to get, get through the adversity and, and now he's reaping the benefits of, of getting through that. Yeah, I love to see it, and I, I'm very excited for his future. Um, mm-hmm. Before we uh, wrap up in a little bit, Albert, do you have any um, you know kind of final things you wanted to hit? Um, with AJ, no. I feel like, yeah, I feel like Tommy gave us such a in-depth look into the guy. I, I think for me, before we go, I just wanted to say to Tommy, if I can, um, really appreciate you, man. And, and it's crazy to have you on the pod today uh, just because, you know, for, for – Tommy, you know, I will say you're one of the reasons why I'm on this pod right now with Corey. You know, I, I think back in the day, this was back in like 2011, I think. Um, you were, we're, I was following you on Twitter, and I remember I reached out to you about some stuff about like writing a, about basketball or whatever. And I remember you said to me, "Be good to the game, and the game will be good to you." And I and I've kind of held on to that, you know, and. Through Twitter and through all the stuff you put out there through the years, I learned what floor game is. I learned what nail touches were. Like, these were things that, you know, I didn't grow up playing basketball at a high level like you guys, you know. And so I had to learn all these things through the Internet and through Twitter and stuff like that. But just wanted to say, man, it's it's such a big honor to have, have you on the pod today and to talk about A.J. Griffin, a guy that I think Corey and I, we both love. But to have you on today and to keep learning from you has been uh, a real blessing. So I just wanted to thank you for coming on before uh, – I cut it over to Corey. And that means a lot to me uh, in ways that uh, that you never know, that you won't know, man. I, honestly, it's um, I am a big fan of the uh, concept of learn, earn, return, right? So um, I love giving back, um, even if that means pushing back to idiots on Twitter. Sometimes um, that's <laughs> that's part of my DNA, I guess. Um, it's it's the New York uh, the New, York New Yorker in me for sure. Oh yeah. Um, but but I but this is why I do it, man. I I just enjoy people. I enjoy good people and talking about the game. And and I've lived that. Be good to the game, and the game will be good to you. My whole life, and it has been really really good to me. Um, it, it it gives so much, and um, it's 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 a, it's just a, the best game in the world to me. Um, it, it, there's so many things out it that I love. Um, to be able to talk about a, a young man who's at Duke. Went to my high school. Um, who's who's a great kid and got a great family, and has, the sky's the limit for him. Um, with you guys, it's, it's just such an awesome feeling and thing. Um, so, thank you for those kind words, man. It means it means a ton to me. And I, I do want to say I want to shout out the entire like New York uh, basketball content creation scene because so much of it you see it on in, in like the draft community a lot of times uh yeah you probably see it in 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 a lot of different teams too with with, with content creators but the new york basketball content creation community is so inclusive and and so willing to help out and pay it forward and like when you like when, when people in that community see something a spark a passion and and see something like they're not trying to push that person down saying they're going to take my spot. It's a a lift them up and we can all succeed. I mean, you know, here I am, I got, you know, for, for no reason at all, you know, Steve Popper, you know, uh, doing a newspaper article on me and, uh, Oh, that's great. You know, I didn't see that. 
Yeah, I mean, this was in the early days of the pandemic when there was no basketball, and I was just doing these YouTube videos, and, and that kind of sparked a lot. And Why haven't I seen that? I'll, I'll send it to you. And, and, and I have to say, like, th those, I, those guys, I had to push so – Steve was not one of those guys. Isola, uh, Berman was okay, but um, Howard Beck, like, those guys pushed me against me so hard. Like, I had mm. – it was like – it was like <laughs> – uh, I got beat down and a lot of it was probably, you know, cause I just wasn't afraid to be critical of them and say things mm -hmm. that I felt were true. Yeah. Um, which I, which I felt like, you know, this is what the internet is. And I, I, I don't mean to cut you off on that Corey, but like, I'm so happy that that's changed because yeah. I took a beating. There was a lot of character assassination stuff on with me that was just uncalled for behind, you know, behind the scenes and just a lot of this, and to the point of, you know, before, as you were saying, like, um, feeling like people were trying to get their spots taken. Yeah. Um, you know, th that was not never the intent. I mean, if I wanted to cover the beat, I would cover the beat. Like it, to me, it, it was, it's more about how do we make a bigger community and, um, how do we get better, you know, bigger voices and, and people who are just really about the game itself and not about all the other noise on the outside. So, and, sorry, I don't mean to jump in on no, you. No, that's that's where you're at now. I mean, you know, mm. CP has been a, a tremendous yeah. ally in that sense. Alan 100%. Hahn has has been so kind to me, which and that's the thing. Like it's these these big creators and guys like Alan Hahn who's on ESPN and MSG, and then it's like you know, Alan's great. Macri, you know, has been really, you know, he was one of the first guests I had on a podcast, and then all, just. Guys, big and small, the community is is really impressive, and it's what I what I aim for the draft community being a little bit because sometimes it feels a little high school, and and uh, sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's great, um, but sometimes it's a little high school, and and I think that you know it, it's it's a growing space, and we're all going to yeah. get better at it and grow together when we lift each other up. So uh, you know, I, I I think that you know and. I appreciate you and, and you, you know, your support and getting to, to chop it up all the time. Let's wrap this up. This is our, our last segment. It's called sell me this pen. Tommy, I want you to sell me <laughs> on AJ Griffin. Uh, I need you to sign. I need you to sign 20 seconds. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, sell, um, sell you on AJ Griffin in 20 seconds. Yeah, 20, 30 seconds. Just a little elevator pitch. If you were to build the modern NBA player, um, it's A.J. Griffin. Um, top to bottom, on the court, off the court, um, just uh, A-plus uh, human being, A-plus talent, um, you know, sort of uh, great support system for sure, um, but just someone who's going to come into your organization right away, make every single – compliment every single one of your guys and, and – um, make them better players and make their jobs easier. And, um, you know, just be someone who you're going to be proud to uh, have wear your uniform. Perfect. That's awesome. I absolutely love it. Um, That's awesome. To, we'll let you get out of here. Just tell us a little bit about what you're doing with, with Modern NBA, and then, and then we'll get you out of here. Yeah, man. Um, so – as you know, so much, not, not so much luck would have it as, as much as it is. I, I saw sort of an opportunity in the, in the analytics space to define versatility. So built a, an app, which is in the works, 
um, put together a formula of, of a lot of, um, you know, different statistics, including my own eye test and sort of put it into an auto automated scoring system and um, pairing has a lot to do with it. And it, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, I'm, I'm proud of it because I wasn't the, uh, the metrics guy. Um, and I've become sort of the combination of the two just by sort of teaching myself and learning. I do think there's a lot of value in it, um, but th there's really a lot of value in, in the eye test and, and knowing how to evaluate. Um, but what I wanted to do with Modern MBA is just have a home for these sort of case studies and, you know, things that I see that I can write about at my own time. I don't feel like I have to do I did 55,000 posts for the next blog in SNY. Like <laughs> over the course of my life, I've done probably a hundred thousand posts, you know, plus, plus Twitter, right? Like yeah. that's 200 something thousand posts that um, I don't, I, now it's leisure. Now it's hobby. Now it's how am I, can I provide value? If an MBA, somebody from a, an organization calls me and says, Hey, what do you think about this person? You know, then, then I can give them that insight. Um, and I've been able to do that. I'm, um, talking to people who are, um, you know, making decisions. And, and it's it's the coolest thing when you know that your reports are on somebody's desk that's got an opportunity to make a decision on and, and, and is taking in your insight and input. Um, it's and something I never dreamed of, of it, something I dreamed of and wasn't sure it was going to be reality. Um, so, you know, for me, it's just a, it's, it's a passion and, and, a, and a labor of love and um, it's something I'm going to continue to grow and excited about. Awesome. I'm really excited about it. Um, I, I can't wait to, you know, the, the app's done and, and, and all that. Yeah. And, you know, you've, you've written some really good stuff on uh, the site for, for people to uh, read. So tell people where they could find your work, where they could find you on, on the internet. And uh, we'll at Thomas, it. at Thomas C D E E on Twitter, also at modern underscore NBA and modern NBA.com. Um, where else can you find me? Yeah, I mean, you're definitely watching Knicks games. You know that. Um, you can. You'll probably. You'll. I'll be at the Garden scouting on Sunday. Um, you'll see me in some local gyms as well in the New York area, um, scouting the local college scene and, and high school. So, um, just watching hoops, man. You know, it's, the hoops are the best. Watching hoops it gets us through winter. Gets us through winter. This frigid cold. Getting out in the morning is tough out here. Albert's Albert's a, a New Yorker, but he he abandoned us for the the sunny skies of Southern California. Oh, mm. whereabouts in Southern California? Down in San Diego area? <laughs> no, I've been living in LA now for about three years. Oh, cool, nice. <laughs> <laughs> Albert, where can the people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter um, at Alberto Gim is where you'll find me. I also have another one at GTGNBA that mostly I, I feel like I've been using for this pod. But um, yeah, once again. Tommy, having you on means a lot to me. I'm sure mean I know means a lot to Corey and but you know both of us. So thank you so much for joining us once again, brother. You guys yes. are awesome, man. Anytime. It was uh this was this was one of the I think the better episodes, better in depth. The the oh, yeah. background we were got we got was was really phenomenal. So um if you want more on AJ, I just wrote about him for no ceilings, no ceilings at substack.com. It's a free newsletter, it goes right to your email every day. We have not missed a single day, a uh, single weekday. Um, since we launched so we are doing draft coverage unlike anybody has ever done it um, and we go in depth and we go light every which direction follow me at cory Telba on twitter and uh until next week guys we out peace peace